0: start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. If you're listening to this, when the episode airs on Monday, March 8th, we just had our third virtual speech retreat recharge this past weekend, And wow, I love these events so much. I love hearing from you guys. I love sharing practical and relevant therapy ideas with you, inspiring in you, and having so much fun. And I love all of you that likes to stay after and have so much fun during the after hours. That really makes our day. So thank you all so much for joining us. And if you missed this one, make sure you stay tuned and follow Speech Retreat on Instagram to make sure you are the first to know about our next event, which who knows when it will be, but probably maybe over the summer. Okay, so what are we going to be talking about this week? Okay, this week it is just me joining it today, and I wanted to talk all about why we should not always be testing our students and why we should be teaching them. We get so caught up um, as SLPs, Thing we have to take to eat all the time, that we're always doing drilling and trials and trying to get those tally marks. And how would you feel if you were taking the praxis every day, right? We wouldn't be too happy. How would you feel if your principals were observing you every day, right? You have a little bit more pressure on you when things are being observed or a test or being evaluated. And our students feel that same pressure. They have that pressure in their classrooms. They know that things are getting graded all the time. They know their homework is being judged. And Learning is a struggle for them. School is a struggle. They have a lot of negative feelings towards school and learning. And we want our safe cubby of a therapy room or virtual space to be warm and inviting and let the, and have them know that they're not always going to be tested, that they're not always going to be drilled, that they're here to learn. One of my students recently said to me, we were playing bamboozle. And he was like, well, what if I get it wrong? And I was like, You're not going to get it wrong. We're going to work through it to get it right. And he was like, oh, so I'm never going to lose points for getting it wrong. And I'm like, no, as long as you're trying and making an effort, I will not let you lose points for getting it wrong. We're going to keep going until you get it right. And you saw that like, huh, like he, he was processing that and he was so much more motivated through the rest of the game. Like I was so glad he asked that so the other students could hear that as well. Our students need to always be reminded that in our space, they're here to learn. You're here to take those challenges and we're there to be as a guide, as a support to help them be and show them that they can be successful. We need to show them that we're giving them material at their level so that they can grasp these tricky skills, whether they're working on vocabulary or summarizing or note-taking or an sentence structure. Whatever they are working on, this is something very challenging for them and they might have been working on this for years. And they can have those negative feelings about it. And we want them to know that they're not going to always be tested on something that they can't do when they come into our therapy rooms. That's when you get the sulks and those, this is boring. We need to make our activities fun, whether it's incorporating games, incorporating competitions, we need to do those things as well. But even a worksheet, we need to remind them that we're here to work through things together, whether it's you modeling how you might get things wrong and have them help you work through how you're going to grasp it. I like to always start out the session with an example of something super easy. Like say we're working on predicting. I will have a water cup or a coffee mug or something, and I'll hold it over my head. And I'm like, what do you think is going to happen next? Now, they know the answer to that. That wasn't a challenge. It was just to show them that what we're going to do, be doing is going to be following those same steps. And we start really simple, a simple teaching moment. And then I ease into, okay, we're going to be doing predicting today, and you're going to be using those clues that's right in front of you. you might have to look a little deeper for them, but we're going to work through it together. And then you want to remember to model. Model how you think about your thinking and how you come up with those answers to show them that a lot of them don't have that self-talk to them. They don't have, to have that self-talk and the thinking about their thinking. They just, they just very impulsive and here's the answer because they want to get it done to move on to the next thing. They want to go play video games. They want to go back to class. They want to play that Uno game or whatever you're doing. They don't want to show their peers that they could be wrong. Where If we show them how we might get things wrong and work through it, they'll have that inner dialogue to do that themselves. Another student I had today, we were doing an inference at Kahoot and it ended up being it was an individual session, but uh, so this was a virtual session. She came on the screen and she was talking through. First, I was modeling my talking through my answers. So I was realizing she was struggling. Like I thought it was going to be an easy task for her, like just a little game to review. Because it was, you know, why not? It was just her, and she was struggling. So I modeled my thinking about my thinking and how I developed my answers. Okay, oh, so I I see this. This is what the whole thing's about. This is what's going on. And I modeled my thinking and how I generated my answers and how I went through each one individually to check back in the story to see which one made sense. And then she mimicked my modeling. And she was like, wow, I'm getting it. And she was getting, she was so, first she was unsure. She was like, I think it's this answer. And I'm like, yes, it is that answer. Because she wasn't. Sure of herself, and she needed that reinforcement to realize like, yes, you are modeling the thinking behind the thinking to get the answer. so we need to remind our students that we are there to show them not how, only how to do it, but that they can do it, and that we're there to support them in every which way possible. So I wanted to give you those two examples of how a student was asking me what happens if he gets wrong, and this other student who wanted to you know talk through the problem the work the questions with me and realizing that that was helping her be successful and I wa- I wanted and I encourage I go you know hey like when there's other students in the group don't be afraid to do that as well if you have to do that out loud and you don't want the other students in the group to hear it um you can send me a message privately or, you know in the chat or um just do it out loud and mute yourself just so that you can hear it yourself because sometimes our students need that support and structure and that how to complete something so that they can be successful. And we can't always be just giving them questions and taking tally marks. We need to spend that time to teach them how to get three answers, right? If we are always drilling, why do they need to come to us, right? They're getting drilled and quizzed in the classroom and they're not being successful. So we need to do more than just differentiate the work and simplify it. We need to do more than just give them a graphic organizer or a strategy. We need to teach them how to do it. So I know you're probably thinking, Hallie, wait a minute, I have to take data though. So when I, you're telling me to stop doing the tally marks and to teach, when am I supposed to take those that data? Why not the last five minutes, the last minute? Who says you have to have 50 trials in a session? Who says you need to have 10? Why not two? You can see over time how they do the last two, right? That's still data. I mean, you do one question, right? The first Five you did you know the first three you modeled the next three you did together, the last three, how did they do? Why not? Isn't data sometimes also what they needed to be successful? that anecdotal data that's more important than the, the tally mark. sometimes a tally mark that I'm like, I don't even remember what I wrote, but if I took like anecdotal data and be like, okay, well, when I modeled for the ex student, she was able to be successful, or when we went through each answer individually and went back to the story they were able to be successful. Or when I show them a sentence structure of how to take notes by saying, who was it about and what did they do? And then we took paragraph by paragraph and stopped after each one and checked for understanding. Then they were able to answer the questions and locate text evidence, right? We need to think about what did they need to be successful so that we can report back to the teachers, use it again the next time because we have so many other things on our plate. We need to remember what worked and what didn't work, right? that's more important than they did it five out of 10 times. Five out of 10 times means nothing, right? We also need to, when we're writing five out of 10 times, we also need to write down like, okay, what was the story level, question level? Wh- how many prompting prompts do they need? All that other stuff is so much more important than just the percentages or the numbers. So why do you think about that the next time you're, Stressing over the data or stressing over, okay, how many trials can I get into a session or how am I even marking down whether or not they answered an inferential question or summarized? Put that on hold. Think about how you're teaching it to them. How are you modeling it? How are you going to do it differently than what has been done before? And then how are they progressing over time? How much more confident are they feeling? How much less support over time do they need? Maybe the data you're collecting is the amount of support or the, less, the amount of models that they needed prior. Maybe it's just that one graphic organizer through that whole story. How much were they able to do it independently? Maybe that's what you tell you in Markdown. Something to think about. And I'm very curious to think hear what you guys think about this topic. So please send me a DM on Instagram, message me. I would like to hear from you guys because this is something that is, I'm very passionate about. I think it's so important for our students to not always feel... Like they're being quizzed because they're going to respond how we would respond if we were always being quizzed. Like I said in the beginning, if you had to take that praxis every single time you went to a faculty meeting or something, you're going to hate going to faculty meetings, right? Okay, even more than you already do, right? But instead, if the faculty meeting was always a place where you can have a glass of wine and chat with your best friends you might be more inclined to go there hopping and skipping, right? So we want for our students to know that they're coming into a place where it's warm and inviting, comforting, and they're not going to be quizzed, that they're not going to be challenged. They're going to be challenged in a way that they're going to feel confident that they can handle the challenge. And they know that if they can't do it, that you are the one who's going to help them figure it out and get there eventually. That it's not I can't, or not that I don't know, it's that I don't know yet that whole growth mindset beliefs and topic, the mindset of growth mindset. So I like to always teach my students. It's not that I can't. It's not that I won't. It's that you can't yet. Or you don't know yet. We will get there. And I always tell them the things that I can't do yet, that I'm working on. And I'm working on baking or drawing a straight line or understanding Fortnite or Among Us or whatever. they're like, what? You don't know? I'm like, I don't understand any of that. And then they like to tell me all about it. I'm like, see, you guys know more than I do. So I hope you found this episode inspiring, motivating, something to think about as you head into your Monday morning or whenever you're listening to this. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You guys inspire me to be the best SLP that I can be. And I hope that I inspire you as well. Your students are so lucky to have someone that loves what they do. And wants to be the best SLP they can be. So I always end my episodes with a joke. So here's another one for this week. Why did the banker quit her job? She lost interest. But ching Hope you guys have a great week. You got this. You are awesome. Stay out of trouble. Are you tired of spending hours prepping and planning and not feeling totally confident after all of that? Make sure you check out my free webinar, How to Plan with Ease and Confidence Without Burning Yourself Out. Check it out today at SpeechTimeFun.com webinar. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.